the voice of ESG. Hello everybody, welcome to this first voice of ESG podcast and this one is going to be directly a very important one because we are going to talk about the CSRD and to do this I have invited two of my colleagues, David Buchel and Ruben Harding. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you very much. David, could you tell a bit more about yourself before we start? Yeah, thanks, uh, Jim. Um, David Buchel, um, CSD expert in uh, within uh, RSM, um, focusing on uh, transparency and uh, uh, and co-worker of uh, Ruben. Thank you. Oh, that's a nice bridge. Yeah. Uh, Ruben Harding, co-worker of David. <laughs> um, I specialize within our ESG team more on the strategic questions that company uh, run into. And specifically right now, focus a lot on how uh, companies can use the CSRD to their strategic advantage. Thank you. Also, welcome to you. Thank you very much, Jan. And how many members does the ESG team of the Netherlands consist of? Um, we currently have a team of uh, six people uh, that are the core team of, of ESG. And around that, we have a more or less uh, flexible uh, part of, of colleagues that have a interest in ESG and uh, are also covering aspects of ESG. Yeah, maybe to add to that, we have like six people who focus on ESG also from the CSRD uh, aspect on how companies can comply. But if you look at more the governance and the social side, we have a little bit more than that. So then we're with 10 or 11 people. Okay, okay, clear. All right, let's uh, continue to, uh, to towards this very important directive who is uh, coming towards us, the CSRD. Um, David, um, can you explain to our listeners what the CSRD is and what it entails for companies? Yeah, it's a, it's a European directive uh, that enforces uh, large-ass companies to be transparent about their ESG performance. Um, that information has to be shared in their director's report uh, annually. And it has to be in line with a new developed framework called the ESRS framework. And that framework... Um, um, obliges companies to be transparent about their uh, policies, actions, uh, to meet the metrics and targets, but also on the resources that they have, that they make available to to meet those targets. Um, and companies also need to be transparent about uh, their um, their performance on indicator level, and not only on their own performance of the company itself, but also on the performance by that they have in the value chain. So that makes it a a, a, a massive obligation regarding transparency. Um, the companies that need to be transparent are um, are the large size companies. So in 2024, you have to be transparent uh, about your performance if you are a listed company. And in 2025, you need to be transparent about your performance when you're a large size company. And you're a large size company if you meet a few criterias that are criterias on revenue, balance sheet total, and uh, employees. And those are 40 million revenue, 20 million of balance balance sheet total, and 250 employees or more. And you have to meet two of those criteria. Okay, that sounds like quite a lot of companies will fall under the scope of CSRD. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And uh, up till now, you, of course, advised quite a lot of companies already on CSRD. What what were the main challenges that company were facing in preparing for this directive? And maybe you can also get, give some advice on how how they could overcome these challenges. Um, the biggest impact is uh, is awareness. 
Uh, I think the the majority of our clients, of the majority of, of companies in in Europe, are not aware of this obligation. Are are not perhaps they are aware of the obligation because they heard something on the news or or read something in the newspapers. Uh, but I don't think that the majority of our clients of of of, of all companies that need to be compliant with these CSRD are expecting this magnitude of impact. Yeah, maybe to add to that, um, the CSRD, of course, is a directive on reporting. At least that's how a lot of people see it. But there's basically a difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law, of the letter of the directive and the spirit of the directive. And it is from the European a real big push that's part of the bigger uh, EU uh, Green Deal to make sure that companies are behaving more sustainably so they perform better on their ESG metrics. So what we see a lot is first, they don't really have the awareness about what's coming, but then also what it entails in terms of steps. So what you need to do, like you need to engage your stakeholders. You then have to determine what's your double materiality. Then you have to make plans for how to improve on the material aspects. Then you have to include ESG also in your main strategy. So there's so much that comes with it. And a lot of companies are not aware of that. And even if they are aware, they have large problems of having the right knowledge within the companies to do this. Because it's a lot and it requires a lot of expertise as well. And at the beginning, uh, Ruben, you told you were more about uh, the strategy part of the CSRD. Did you already see companies putting the CSRD or ESG inside their strategy and working really hard towards it? Or is it slowly but lacking? I mean, it depends on company, of course. Some companies already have a lot of ESG um, aspects within their strategy and they just call it their business strategy. But if you look at our clients, um, most of the times they really see it as a regulatory compliance and reporting aspects. And once then you start the process of going into it and what it entails and then also what it can give you as a company, then their eyes are open. Then they're saying like, okay, let's let's comply with the regulation but then also try to take out of the yeah take out these strategic benefits that it can have and i was just referring to the double materiality and that's basically the basis of a lot of strategies because what you do is you look at the outside world and what risks or opportunities it will have for your company right now but also in the long run and you also look from an inside out perspective and you look how you impact all of your stakeholders which basically means that you take risk opportunities all your stakeholders in deciding on how to act which basically provides you a focus for your ESG strategy so the CSRD really forces you um, or gives you let's say, um, tools to see where you want to uh, prioritize and maybe also strategize as a company to perform better in the future. And not only your own company, uh, but your value chain as well. So you have, you, have, you have a large impact as a company uh, on society, but certain companies have a larger impact, uh, not as their own activity, but in the value chain. So um, if, if your impact lies in the value chain, then you need to... Um, then you're facing more struggles even then uh, because information in the value chain is perhaps harder to 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 obtain if you uh, are not the owner of the company but you're just a uh, one partner of the, the value chain so that makes it uh, difficult as well it seems like it's quite comprehensive 
lists of a list of reporting obligations. Um, what I am curious at nowadays, like you all know, uh, I am uh, working within a technology team. Are there some kind of evolving developments or technologies um, uh, helping companies in this uh, list of uh, CSRD requirements? Yeah, we face a lack of... Or let me put it differently. Yeah. How do you see the role of technology in meeting these CSRD requirements? Yeah, um, yeah we face a lack of resources, human capital resources, for instance. Um, and I think, yeah, ESG is a very very new area. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a huge assignment that we've given ourselves uh, by adopting the Paris Agreement. Um, uh, and that huge obligation that we have put our, on ourselves is that we need to go to, to um, meet those uh, demands that we've put ourselves on, on, on on global warming, on biodiversity, on resource usage. Um, and that requires us to gain insight in value chains, gain insight in processes. And I think the, the, the human mind is not able to overview that in, in one, one, one way. So I think technology could support us, should support us. Um, not sure how and, and, and in which way, but for example, in, in the assurance department uh, that we have also been within RSM, uh, we also face a lack of capacity human-wise so technology could also play a role there um, to support us in in gaining much more reliable information more information uh, and i think that would be uh, a, a huge benefit of, of technology or, or a huge potential of, of technology i think uh complying with the csrd or you know doing ESG uh, as a company you can't see it separately from using the right technology course in the beginning phase right now when you like determine materiality or like consulting your stakeholders seeing what the risks are you can do without technology but a lot of the problems that companies face is how to manage their data correctly because this is about non-financial information and like financial information has been regulated for so long so you exactly know where it is in your company now i think if you're just um yeah applying with the standards or the indicators that you have to report on on that every company has to report on you need to have more than 81 indicators that you have to track but that's buried somewhere in your organization or outside of your organization so to be able to collect all of these this is a really huge assignment and in that technology can play a really big part the question is though what is the right way to go about it because of course there's a lot of tools that you can that, that can help but is it the right tool for your company does it fit with the technology systems or the software systems that you use as a company and those are still also pretty intricate questions uh, that a lot of companies are dealing with okay and in, in preparing information we could use technology but also when we've um when we all have information about DSG, our companies have prepared information about DSG, we also need to value it. We need to inter interpret it. Uh, we've got information from various aspects, uh, environmental parts, social parts, and we need to value them. Uh, so we need to make new decisions about um, about how we use that inf this information. Uh, we've used the financial information to make decisions uh, for a long time ago. Um but now we need to incorporate non-financial information as well in our decision-making process. And I think technology can help as well in that space. Because how do you value um, social information 
above or below environmental information and how do you value it compared to financial information and what's the value of it so um, technology could play a part in that well very interesting questions and my my head starts to boggle when i hear these <laughs> data points uh yeah, that's very, a good, maybe a good one for the next podcast. I think so, How yeah. do they relate? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's mm. actually a really good one. I want to zoom in a bit about um, about compliance, what you mentioned, Ruben. Um, what I am curious at, what are the actual benefits of complying with the CSRD? And what I'm specifically curious at is, uh, what is the benefit for companies? And what are the benefits for society as a whole? Short-term benefits of complying with the CSRD when you start your uh, process, um, basically none, because you have to invest in the first, uh, say, couple of weeks, couple of months. But through the whole process of the CSRD, which is about taking all your stakeholders into account, you engage your stakeholders, also tell them on that you're in this process so they know you are thinking about more than just yeah, your, your financial returns. Um, so basically what you do with that is you inform your stakeholders that you are yeah, involved in society as a whole and care about the environment. And if you then look at the, um, the Arbeitsmarkt, in English, that is the labor market, there's a lot of shortage, of course, in there for, for yeah, good employees and companies who are concerned with ESG and also focus and perform well, um, younger employees from like Generation uh, Z or the Millennials prefer companies that perform well in these aspects. So there's not uh, a direct, um, say, benefit of complying with it, but if you use it in the right way, in a strategic manner, you can, uh, yeah, you can improve your performance as a company as a whole and the reputation, I guess. Yeah, through repu- reputational benefits, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to be gained. But what you do, of course, with uh, yeah, looking at the CSRD, but also looking at ESG in general, you see like how you look at how you treat your people, how you treat the people in your value chain, um, and people who are treated well perform better in the long run. So there's a lot of long-term benefits of. Yeah, investing in ESG and performing sustainably. And this is something that the CSRD kind of guides you towards because you have to report on what is material for your company and you have to report on how you perform on those aspects. So, for example, say you are a producing company or a manufacturing company and you use a lot of resources. One thing that the CSRD will show is that you have a high risk um, when it comes to resource scarcity, it will perform high risk for your company. So then if you see that in the future, that's a risk, then you can base your decisions on that and see if there's like other ways of getting those resources or to recycle. That is indeed a direct benefit of complying with the CSRD, of, of getting started with the CSRD, is that you gain insight. You gain insight in, in new risks that your your company encounters and, and, and face. Um, because you discuss with all the stakeholders around your company which elements they prefer to be relevant or they see as relevant, um, you might encounter new areas that you have uh, have forgotten or are, are, are less uh, get less attention. So I think it, it, it is a, a huge benefit for companies to, to gain insight in that field of, 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 of information or risks uh, that you need to um, that you need to address. And, um, of course, the CSRD is not only reporting, but also disclosing it, right? Um, what I am curious at, do, 
do we already see companies who are so proud and so far ahead, uh, which are proactively disclosing how ESG compliant? Let's put it that way. Like, yeah, you have yeah, you have integrated reports in uh, ESG or CSR reports. That's basically. I mean, there's different requirements to it, but that's basically what the CSD tries to entail. Yeah, you have uh, the, a lot of companies already disclosing ESG information, and and certain large sized information, large sized companies that already uh, have voluntary assurance on the information as well. Um, so there there are companies that that um, already are engaged in this process. So they have a um, they have, they have some 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 room ahead. There are some front runners in the, in the field, um, but the the extent of the information that is required by the CSRD is much more bigger than under its predecessors. I want to continue with you, uh, David, because you triggered me. Um, let me formulate it correctly. Um, how can companies ensure that their sustainability reporting is not only compliant, uh, but at the same time transparent and credible? Um, yeah, uh, Transparency and credibility are two two requirements of being uh, being compliant with the CSRD, and there are a lot of more elements that you need to um, to face to become compliant with the CSRD. Um, but um, I think it's important to use also the information that you have within your company. So becoming compliant is is one part, and to become compliant. You have several elements. So you have uh, segregation of duties. You have um, using um, um, a separate uh, IT system to register the information. You have separate processes to um, retrieve the information from out of your organization that all helps to get a stable source of information that you could use as an organization. And if you use that, organization, you use that information as well to steer your organization on the short and long term on I think then you will have more reliable information because if you steer on it on a monthly basis you need to have it reliable as well um, so I think that's the the primary advice that we give to to clients is use the information actually in your monthly or quarterly decision making process to gain reliability to ex- yeah to, to use it I want to zoom in on the future. Yes. You both said uh, listed companies have to report starting from uh, 2024. Yeah. And after a, a certain size cap, uh, all the other companies have to report starting from 2025. Ruben, um, how do you see the CSRD evolving in the future? And to make it a little bit harder, what impact will it have on the business's landscape? Um, just a minor detail. They have to report over the the year of 2025, the large companies. So no, they don't have to start reporting in that year of the year before, but over the year of 2025 and 2024 for the list companies. Just a, a, a small correction. Um, but your question, how, how will it change the business landscape? Um, and how the CSRD... Uh, is evolving in the future. What's your view about that? Um, I mean, how's it going to change the business landscape? Companies will have to become transparent on their ESG impact, which will make sure that all their stakeholders, say, for example, the the banks, the lenders, 
their clients also um, yeah their employees can then see how they're performing and what their plans are for the future because you also have to make strategies on how to become uh, yeah on your path to uh, net zero for example uh, you have to show improvement plans. So in there, you can see a lot of intent of what companies want to do and how they want to um, benefit not only their shareholders, but all their stakeholders, which will make sure that at some point it's easier to hold them accountable, way easier. Um, so like what you then see if, if you become transparent about how you perform on certain aspect, it also becomes easier to tax certain polluting behavior um, and what you now see that a lot of green taxes are coming up of course for our companies um, but yeah the, the if you look at the european landscape you can already see that way more changes are had right now it's transparency the next step is going to be okay you need to produce circular products um, so like it's it's a huge step now for a lot of companies to become transparent but there's so much more coming uh, from the European Union and also from other governments in the world because there's so much to be done to make sure that we actually reach the goal of being climate neutral into you know, 20, 2050. So, um, yeah, there's there's going to be way more. And your second question was? Um, I asked you, how do you see the future of CSRD evolving and what impact it will have on the business landscape. I mean, uh, yeah, I answered the second one, but maybe the Caesar, the how it will evolve, uh, evolve is uh, more for you, uh, our accountancy expert. Yeah, the CSRD will be, this is just a starting point. Um, if you compare to other uh, regulatory frameworks like IFRS, uh, it started off as a um, a big transition for financial, for, 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 for large companies that they need to comply with the IFRS uh, framework. And what you now see is that the IFRS framework has evolved, has become more mature. Um, so the, ex- the the amount of, of, of requirements in the CSD will also become more mature. So um, that's what I'm expecting. So like the AD, the AD indicators that are now uh, required by the, um, by the framework uh, will grow to a certain amount. And the, the end is, is unclear. But I think... Um, it is also used as a force. This, trans- this trans- transparency directive is also used as a force to um, swiften us to the to the new economy. Uh, we are now at a tipping point. We're also we're currently on the, the in the old economy, focusing on financial indicators, uh, using profit as the main indicator of, of of being a company doing well or not. Um, and that is going to change. And this regulation or this directive is 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 among other directives and regulation and enforcement to go to the new economy, to a new way of thinking about how businesses perform, not only financially, but also non-financially. So we get a broader understanding of how companies perform. So we get also a new way of looking at doing business. Um, so that will, depending on, on how swiftly how, how, how swift we um, go to that new economy, uh, regulation will become firmer or looser, but I think it will be firmer because we are we are all as human being reluctant to change. So we need enforcement. As I understand you correctly, we are just at the starting point, and a lot of more regulatory directives, regulations, guidelines will come in the coming decades. Um, yeah. So the business has businesses in Europe 
have a big task to do the coming years. In Europe, yes, but also um, business who are in business with businesses in Europe. Because there is a huge supply chain effect or value chain effect in the CSRD and also in uh, the next one, the CSDD, uh, that looks more to the uh, value chain. Um, so like we're talking always about listed companies and the large size companies, but they need information of their suppliers and also their customers. So smaller companies like mid-sized companies and, and, and smaller are going to be impacted as well. If there's going to be rela- regulations for that, I think they're still deciding upon that in the EU or actually when it's going to be introduced. Yeah. But already like when the listed companies will uh, have to report on it, Every company that does that does business with them will be impacted. And I think that will be faster than the regulatory obligation. Exactly. Clear. I uh, slowly want to go towards an ending, um, but I want to give you both one last question. Um, at the end, we are business consultants. So what advice would you both give to companies that are just starting their CSRD journey and... Um, what are the what are some of the key steps they should take in this journey? So let me start with you, David. Um, our main advice is always um, start, just start, um, and don't expect you to be um, at the end or at, the, at, at reaching your main goal being CSD compliant in in one or two years. It, it takes time, so therefore start as soon as possible and start as small as possible, just to. Um, Get yourself familiar with steering on non-financial information and using non-financial information. Uh, so start small and start as soon as possible. Um, that is this our main advice. And what are the main key steps a new starter has to take, according to you? Yeah, ju- just like Ruben stated, discuss with your stakeholders. Uh, get insight into what your stakeholders demand from your organization um, and gain insight in in regulatory requirements, gain insight in new risks that 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 your company is facing in the, in the near future. Um, yeah, I think I I mean it's an obligatory step, um, but do your inside out and outside in risk assessment. Like you have to do it for the CSRD, and if you think about what could actually provide you with a uh, business benefit, that is it. So consult your stakeholders and also consult them about the risks and opportunities for your companies. But that's 100% the first step every company should take. And not to to sell our business, but um, um, what we encounter with, with, with companies is that they lack capacity. They lack, and therefore they lack priority on this topic because as it, as it is a obligatory point in 2025, of over 2025, a lot of companies uh, are recovering from 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 the covid uh period they are now trying to f- to to um make money in the new situation and they they have a lack of capacity uh, human capital wise so there's a um it's pretty easy to forget this process to to say okay we're going to start with CSD compliance in 2024 uh, but then you're facing a a humongous sprint towards the end of 2025 to become compliant. So start as soon as possible and use something that helps you holds you accountable of of taking the necessary steps on time. 
Uh, that can be an, an external advisor, that can be something else, but use something that enforces you to take the obligatory steps that are needed. Thank you both. I, I, I myself am a technology lawyer and I've printed the CSRD last week and my God, <laughs> it's my, <humongous>. my God, <laughs> this one's going to be a hard one. Oh, but uh, then you can uh, join our reading class. I have to, I guess. I have to. <laughs> Wednesday and Friday. You're welcome. I will. I will knock the door. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, David. Thank you very much, Ruben. Also, thank you for our listeners. And uh, we hope to uh, see our listeners back for episode two. Bye-bye.